I'm glad that you're here this morning. It is so good to be with you. We want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we want to start reading verse 8. We're going to start a new series. We talked about this year, we're going to be talking about our freedom series. In the month of January, we talked about freedom from fear. And we're going to start a, a new series today. It will be interrupted uh, in a couple of weeks with our crusade outreach right here in Palm Bay. and uh, But we're going to uh, continue this. And uh, it's going to be in concert uh, with the seminars that we're going to be offering on Wednesday night, Financial Peace University. And uh, for the next five or six weeks, we're going to be talking about freedom from financial bondage. How many of you would like to be free from financial bondage? It can be bondage. I mean, even though we live in America, an affluent nation, uh, it can be bondage to be in debt and uh, keep us living in stress and fear. So we're going to be talking about this from biblical principles. And so we want to start this morning by looking at Deuteronomy chapter 28. We start in verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thy hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Under the reading of the word of God, everybody said, in Jesus' name. You may be seated, and thank you for standing. Freedom from financial bondage. Being blessed from a scripture perspective, it means having supernatural power working for you. By contrast, being cursed means having supernatural power working against you. It doesn't take a genius to figure out what side you want to be on. You want to be on the side where you have supernatural power working to your advantage. A blessed man or woman may not be wealthy by the world's standards, but he or she enjoys a quality of life that I dare say billionaires would envy. In fact, we had a unique experience uh, when we were in New Zealand. Uh, we visited a castle, the only castle in New Zealand, that's in a, a town by the name of Dunedin, and it's on the uh, eastern side of the South Island of New Zealand. And uh, we went and visited a castle that was built in 1871. There's a picture of it by William Narnick. And he was a financial genius. He uh, was a banker. He was a businessman. He was a, a merchant uh, baron. And finally, in his latter years, he was a politician in the New Zealand parliament. He found this beautiful piece of land uh, in New Zealand, uh, way up high on a mountain with the beautiful views of of the different harbors and fjords that are in that area. And he uh, decided that he would build this uh, magnificent castle. And so he started to import uh, marble from Italy and timber from the United States and, and uh, all kinds of uh, mosaic stones from uh, European nations. And, and uh, he had it all shipped. Literally, it would have to be shipped, of course, to the South Island of New Zealand, and then they would have to use ox carts to drag the materials up the hill 
uh, to this location. It took more than 200 workers uh, three years to just build the shell uh, around the castle. And then uh, master European craftsmen spent another 12 years embellishing the interior. So it was 15 years altogether. And, and Larney, he, he didn't spare any expense uh, on this dream home. He was building it for his beloved wife, uh, Elisa. And uh, he, he built it all as a testimony of his love for his wife. The problem was his wife did not love the castle. She was lonely there. Uh, she missed London and she missed her friends and, and uh, family. And she died at a very young age of 38 years old. And soon he remarried. But his second wife didn't really like the castle either because it was built in honor of the first wife. And so she really, she really didn't like it. And she didn't really want to hang out there either. And, uh, and she also died at 38 years old. And, and then he married, uh, for the third time. And he had had, uh, some financial troubles at this point. So when he married his third wife, uh, he put the castle and all of his, uh, inheritance and monies and companies and businesses, put it all in her name, uh, so as to protect himself from, uh, his own creditors. Uh, but, uh, the third wife, the kids could not stand. And uh, except for his oldest son, and it was rumored that he was having an affair with the third wife, the oldest son. Yeah. And to the point, literally, that William Larnick, who's now, in these latter years he's, of his life, he's in the Parliament of New Zealand, he shoots himself uh, and kills himself in Parliament, while it's in session, in the Parliament building in New Zealand. And, uh, and then, of course, the castle had all been put in his third wife's name, and, uh, the kids had all been taken out of the inheritance. So then after he, he dies, they, they have a big lawsuit, uh, between the kids and this third wife as to who would get the castle. And all the kids were together except that oldest son who sided with the third wife. Wonder why. And, uh, and, and against his own siblings. And so they had this big lawsuit and the, and the, uh, the kids won. And, uh, they got, uh, they got the castle and they got the inheritance and all. And then his oldest son killed himself. And as we walked around this place, it's beautiful gardens and, and it's a beautiful view. And, uh, I mean, they use it now. I mean, after the kids got it all, they didn't care about it. They just sold it and it just sat destitute for, for many, many years until, uh, another family bought it and they've kind of tried to restore it as part of our group. And they, you know, got now and they have right where we're standing is where they have weddings now. Would you want to get married at this place? And I got to thinking to myself, here's this beautiful castle with all of this artistry and all of this magnificent location and the beauty of all this. And yet it was a horror story. And I got to thinking just because you have a lot of money doesn't make you happy doesn't make you fulfilled. You can have a beautiful castle in New Zealand and be miserable. So what is it that really causes you and I to be blessed in life? It's not the size of your checking account or your savings account. It's something that's much deeper than that. It's, it's spiritual. Uh, blessing is something that permeates every aspect of a person's life. It's your health, it's relationships, it's work, it's family, it's emotions, it's thought. And so all of these things that are indicative of the blessings of God upon our life are things that we can realize that God is blessing us every day, but sometimes it may not be in a metric that we can measure or to figure out. But just because a person is wealthy doesn't mean that they're blessed. And just because a person is not wealthy doesn't mean that they aren't blessed. But the reason that money somehow weaves its way into this when we talk about blessing is because God will test us through money. Because how we handle our money, it reveals volumes about our priorities, about our loyalties, our affections. And those blessings that come in many forms are oftentimes demonstrated through our own finances. The key to real freedom, freedom from financial bondage, is not in how much money you have, but it is in how blessed you are with what you do have. Because it doesn't matter if you make a million dollars a week. 
If you're spending $2 million a week, you're in financial bondage. Most of the time people feel like, well, you know, if I could just be blessed financially, then I wouldn't be in financial bondage. Well, that's not true because if your appetite for stuff is greater than your earning capacity, you're going to be upside down. The amount of the money is inconsequential. And so we have to get down into Scripture and figure out where the real blessing comes from. So let's explore that uh, together this morning in the few minutes I have with you. Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 30. We'll look to the Old Testament we'll move to the New Testament. Ezekiel 44 and verse 30 says, And the first of all the first fruits of all things, and every oblation of all, of every sort of your oblation, so I'm not offering, shall be the priest. Ye shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough. There you go. That's how money first became referred to as dough. That he may... You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? That he may cause the blessing to rest in thine house. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says... Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The Lord instructs us throughout the word of God. It's in numerous places throughout scripture that in order for us uh, to be blessed, that we have to return, not give, but return to him the first part, whether it be the firstborn or the first fruits. Uh, or the first part of our income, the first fruits, it belongs to him. It doesn't even belong to us. We're almost like uh, a person that understands that we're managing, but we're not necessarily the owner. And just because something is in our possession doesn't necessarily mean that you own it. You can work at a bank and have thousands of dollars in your hands on a regular basis, but that doesn't mean that you own it. If you're confused about that, just try to take it home with you and see what happens. You're not the owner of it, though you may have possession of it. So throughout the Bible, we read that the Lord required that the children of Israel pay a tenth of their possessions or their gains. It's something that the Bible refers to as tithe. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 27 and verses 30, 31, and 32. And all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So when you pay your tithe, you're not really giving the Lord an offering. You're just returning uh, what belongs to him in the first place. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. This is now talking about like a free will offering. Uh, this is something that is, is voluntary. Verse 32, And concerning the tithe of the herd, or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven. This is the one place in Scripture where the Lord says to prove me. Put me to the test and see. And pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now those blessings are going to come in a lot of different ways. It may come financially. Uh, it may not come financially. I, I got home from the trip. I was going through my bills uh, last night. I was still dealing with jet lag and I'm half awake. And I see Florida Power and Light has sent me a check in the mail for $527 and 27 cents. And I just begin to rejoice because I've never received a check from Florida Power and Life. We have a one-way relationship. And I send them a check. And so I was so excited to get this check. I was, uh, I was rejoicing. I thought, I don't know why they gave it to me, but I'm going to go ahead and quickly deposit it before they change their mind. So I took a picture. You know how it is now. We don't go to the banks. We just deposit from our phones. And so I took a picture of it and I deposited it and I was so excited and I started going through my emails and I went through my email and I found an email from Florida Power and Light and the email said, you are overdue on your Florida Power and Light, $527.27. We are going to shut off your electricity. But I, you just sent me a check for $527. So I had to go in and I realized what had happened. I had sent the money to the wrong account. 
So it had gone to FPL, but it didn't go to FPL for the house. So I had to resend it. And here I was thinking I had been blessed. And actually, I had been cursed. I was going to lose my electricity in my home. So sometimes things don't always show up, you know, where we can quickly, easily measure it in a balance sheet. But oh, my friend, if you're in the house of God today, you're able to lift your voice, lift your hands. You know where your kids are. You have a happy marriage. You got a job. Just as Bishop was saying this morning, you got a roof over your head and shoes on your feet. Oh, we've got a lot to be thankful for. We are blessed. We are blessed. You can have a castle, but if people are killing each other, what does it mean? But oh, to have peace of mind, hallelujah, to say that God is good. We have been blessed. In Leviticus 27, we see that this pay in the first portion of our gain, it was commanded. It was not optional. Uh, Malachi says that. And then we see that this tithe was modeled by Abraham in Genesis 14 and by Jacob in Genesis 28. And the tithe went to support uh, the Levite ministry. And the Lord confirmed this even in the New Testament, Matthew 23 and in Luke 11. The good news is that God promised prosperity if we did this. The bad news, that is, if you did not pay tithes, then everything, the 90%, is cursed. And what happens when it's cursed is that it dissipates. It just goes for all kinds of crazy things. You just that the car broke down, the, the roof is leaking, the FPL shutting off electricity, you know, everything starts to fall apart. And you wonder, the Bible talks about that. You can have a, a, a bag and put all of your possessions in it, but if the bag has holes in it, what good does it do? Everything falls out of it. So the key is to have the portion that we, you and I, have in our uh, ownership rights, that 90%, is for that portion to be blessed. Now, how do we make sure that that portion is blessed? Well, let's go to Scripture to get our uh, understanding of this. There are three principles that I want to talk to you about today. Uh, about paying tithes. The first one is, it has to be the first portion. The first portion. It's not what you give after you've paid all your bills. It's you give the first 10% of your gain uh, before you pay bills, before it goes into savings. You know, even the government tries to take it out of the top before you even get it, right? And so, why should the government be ahead of what we give to God? So you should, from the very beginning, you should make sure that you pay your first 10%. I, uh, I, I remember when we first set up digital giving here at the church. It's been a number of years ago now. And uh, we, people started learning how to have it automatically deducted. And I don't know if you're like me, but I try to get all that as automated stuff as much as I can because, you know, that way you don't run the risk of your water being shut off or your power being shut off. So you, you try to automate all that as much as you can. But, you know, here's the thing. You have to learn, and I've had to learn, that for us to really understand how God can bless what we are earning or what we have in our control is for us to give him that first portion. Because what I give him from the very beginning ensures the blessing on the rest of it. But if I give what's at the end, guess what happens? Everything that's above it is not blessed. And so you want to, you want to, and, and, I'll, and I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures on this, but just understand that's one of the principles we want to focus on. The second one is it has to be 10%, not 7%, not 6%, not 2.4%, but it has to be 10% of your gain or your increase. And the third principle is, is that it's to be brought into the church, the storehouse. And we'll talk a little bit more of that. But let's talk first of all about the principle of the firstborn, because the interesting thing about this principle of the firstborn is that it's illustrated even in the salvation that you and I receive as we understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. When we go to the Old Testament and we study the principle of the firstborn, we look at Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2. It says, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. It is mine. That's the Lord making it really clear. The Lord declares 16 times, that the firstborn belongs to him. Exodus 13, verse 12 through 15, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of a donkey thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck and all the firstborn of man among thy children shall thou redeem. 
And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. It wasn't just the firstborn of of the Egyptian uh, families that were taken before the children of Israel were uh, released from slavery in Egypt. It was also uh, of their cattle. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. Now, I, I know that's a lot of reading, but let me try to explain that really quick. The principle of the firstborn, according to the Old Testament law, was that the firstborn had to either be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn had to either be sacrificed or redeemed. There, there was no third option. It was one of the two. So every time one of the livestock animals delivered its firstborn, you were to sacrifice it. Or if it was designated unclean, like they referred to with the donkey, then you had to redeem it with a clean, spotless lamb. So the clean firstborn had to be sacrificed. The unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. So just kind of put that in your brains for just a second. The clean firstborn had to be sacrificed. The unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. Now think about how this plays out in the life of Jesus. When John the Baptist saw Jesus on the banks of the Jordan River, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That defined the role of Jesus. He was spotless. He was to be sacrificed. And we know that he was. He was sacrificed as... Uh, he was crucified on Calvary. So he's described as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he's spotless. He's without sin. So he's sacrificed. But we, in our humanity, we are all born, the Bible says, in sin and shapen in iniquity. So we were to be redeemed. The spotless lamb was sacrificed. The unclean, we are to be redeemed. And how are we to be redeemed? We're to be redeemed with a spotless lamb. So in a sense, God paid tithes. The firstborn was sacrificed. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, before we get too far into this principle and start thinking of God and Jesus as separate persons, remember, and I'll quote to you Colossians. This is Bible quizzers are working on Colossians right now. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, priority position. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So though Jesus was the firstborn sacrifice, he was also the image of the fullness of God. That's why when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you are baptized into the fullness of God because the name was the representation or the image of the fullness of God. Now, here's something that we also can extrapolate from this. Jesus was sacrificed in faith. Even before we believed, the sacrifice had been given. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. The first fruit or the firstborn will always require faith. People would say, if I, well, Pastor, if I could afford it, I would pay tithes. You can't afford not to pay tithes. You pay it by faith. If, if you try to work it into your budget, you'll never be able to afford it. You pay it, but the first fruit or the firstborn always requires faith. If it's given well in advance of any evidence, it has to be given in advance of the harvest. Before we see the blessings of God, we give it in faith. Have you ever wondered how God could take the firstborn son of all the Egyptians? How could God, a loving God, do that? And one night, the oldest son was taken from every Egyptian family. How could God do this? 
Why would God do this? Well, the bottom line is the firstborn belongs to God. And guess what, folks? If we don't give it, God can take it. It's God's. He has a legal right to it. The firstborn of every Jewish family was not taken that night. Why? Because a lamb was taken and sacrificed. So there's that part again of the clean and the unclean. Now this was a part of the children of Israel being released from bondage. So understand that this example is given to us because I don't believe that it is the will of God for the people of God to live in financial bondage. It's not the will of God for us to live upside down in debt, working day and night, killing ourselves, trying to pay off high interest rates and credit cards and debt and all of this stuff. It's not the will of God. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, I will make you the head and not the tail. I will make you the lender and not the borrower. The borrower is servant to the lender. But it is God's will, even as he promised Abraham at the very beginning, that I will bless thee. Everything you touch, everywhere you walk, I'm going to bless you. It is God's will to bless the people of God. I'm going to tell you something. I, I believe this with all my heart. I've seen it. I, I, I've, been, I've been preaching for over 40 years. And I've had the Holy Ghost for over 50 years. And I've seen it all of my life. People are blessed when they obey biblical principles. I said, people are blessed when they obey biblical principles. And I'm going to tell you something. God can bless you. You know, the children of Israel, the Bible says before they were released from Egypt, that all of their neighbors came and brought gold and silver and blessed them. They came out of this bondage, 400 years of slavery. And when they came out of it, you know what they did? They came out of it wealthy. God returned everything. They had worked as slaves, but God returned them. They were all millionaires walking out, walking out in Egypt. Because God put it in the hearts of all those people around them to come and just give them gold and silver. These are people that had lost their firstborn. But guess what? They recognized that the hand of God was upon the children of Israel. Some three to five million Jews marching out of Egypt. How can that be? Let me tell you something. God can put it on the heart of people, your boss. He can put it on the heart of relatives, neighbors. Uh, no, they don't even have to be in the church. They can be non-believers. But God can put it upon the heart of somebody and they can bless you and your family beyond your wildest imagination. So how do we know that this children of Israel? Well, the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost. The principle of the firstborn is very powerful. And I've heard it said that any first thing given is never lost. And any first thing not given is always lost. The principle is on the firstborn. In other words, what we give to God, we don't lose because God redeems it for us. But what we withhold from God, we will always lose. Jesus echoed this same principle in Matthew 16, 25, when he said, For whatsoever, or I'm sorry, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. This is really what tithing is all about. It's the principle of the firstborn. We give to God the first, and then we trust him to redeem the rest. That's the principle. You give to him the firstborn, the first part, the first fruits. And then we trust him to redeem the rest. But it's always going to require faith to give the first. Once we get this revelation and we obey it, we begin to experience the blessing. It means giving to God before you see if you're going to have enough. Now here's some interesting uh, illustrations of this principle from the Old Testament. In the Garden of Eden, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there were ten different types of trees. Did you know that? Ten different types of trees in the Garden of Eden. And when God told Abraham or Adam and Eve not to take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that was the first portion or the part that belonged to God. Have you ever wondered, well, why did God put a tree in the garden to say you can't touch it? Because from the very beginning of the human race, he was establishing this principle. If you and I are going to be blessed, you have to know what not to touch. You have to know what to say no to. And sometimes it's just hard for people to figure this out. For instance, here's an example. And I don't, I don't know anybody that has a, a problem with casinos or gambling, but I'm just using an example. Has ever, has ever, is it just me or has it ever caused you to be somewhat frustrated in your thinking as to why people spend billions and billions of dollars in casinos? Is it not obvious who's winning? 
the people that built the billion dollar hotel are not losing money. My dad used to say people fly to Vegas and they come home on Greyhound. <laughs> That's back when they had Greyhound running. <laughs> people say, oh, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. How are you going to win? How are you going to beat the house? The, the only way you and I can be blessed is to figure out, first of all, what to say no to. Think about all the money we save by not drinking alcohol. Think about all the money we save by not smoking cigarettes. Think about all the money we save by not being hooked on pornography. That is a trillion dollar enterprise, pornography. It, think about all the money. It, God's people ought to be the most blessed people on the face of the earth. So why are we not blessed? Why are we in financial bondage? You know what it all goes back to? It goes back to the Word of God. Because you've robbed from God what belongs to Him. And instead of being tithers, we're tippers. We, we will give a waitress more. I know people are getting up and walking out. You walk out all you want. I'm going to keep teaching the Word of God. Here, here's the thing. We'll, we'll tip a waitress 15 and 20%, but not give God 10%. Think about that. We, y'all ready for me to go back to Australia yet? Are you ready for me? Go on another trip. Where's Brother Easter? Let's bring Brother Easter back. <laughs> so before they're going to be blessed, Adam, because I, I mean, I can remember thinking, well, Lord, why? I mean, it wouldn't be sin if you hadn't put that tree right there, the knowledge of good and evil tree, and then say, don't touch it. Well, guess what? All of life is going to be what don't you touch, don't partake of. And the principle was there from the very beginning. Don't touch. This is a tree. This is not for you. In fact, here's what's interesting. Of those ten trees, every other tree that we have on this planet comes from those nine trees that God had given to Adam and Eve. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't touch it. And Adam and Eve, of course, you know, they weren't to they mess with it because that was designated unto the Lord. You may see it, you may enjoy the beauty of it, but don't touch it, don't take it, it's not yours. One of the greatest secrets in life, as it relates to this first fruits principle, is knowing what to say no to. Tithing is so important because it's the primary way that we show that God is first. It's obedience to the Word of God, but beyond that it teaches us to give the very first of everything to the Lord. Give the first of your day to the Lord. Spend time with the Lord before you do your social media or answer your emails in the morning. I don't want you to vote and raise your hand because it may force you not to be fully truthful this morning. But just in your own heart, vote. How many of you, the first thing you do when you wake up is look at your cell phone? <laughs> you didn't have to do that. I wouldn't want you to vote. <laughs> It's, that's the world we live in, right? I'm guilty of it. I've done it. It's right there. It's charging. And you, you wonder, you know, if somebody tried to get a hold of you while you're asleep and so forth. And it's easy to immediately go to that. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just because the first of the year, 2023, trying to get, you know, make sure you get your priorities and everything in order and just trying to spend more time with the Lord over these past two and three weeks while we are away. And uh, I, I just, you know, enjoy that time in the morning before everybody else gets up. And having that time with the Lord, it's special. But everything else will try to crowd in there and take your time and take your attention. And you've got to be able to say no. You've got to be able to say no. Lord, I'm going to give you the first part of my day. It, it's obedience to the Word of God that God, I believe, will honor then the rest of your day. Give the first of your praise to the Lord. Don't worship anything more than Him. Don't worship... Now, this will be easy. Don't worship the Miami Dolphins more than you do the Lord. That's easy to do because they can't figure out how to win. <laughs> you can tell I have sour grapes because I've been a Dolphins fan since 1971. But there's so many things in this world that can steal our affection and our attention. But you have to say, Lord, I'm going to love you more than anything else. I'm going to make you the first part of the affections of my heart. In every area, love reading the Word of God more than anything else. 
Put it first, because if you put it first, God will bless everything else that you do. In every area of the fundamentals of our life, give him the first fruit. The only way you do this is to say no to yourself on the first portion. Because the flesh will always try to jump in there and do what it wants to do. And then, I said this earlier, but I want to reemphasize it. Just because you possess it does not mean you own it. Let me give you an example. You may be given 24 hours today, and you may possess life for another day. But do you really own your life? You've been given another 24 hours of life. You're breathing. But the joy of life is knowing what you don't own. Because if you can get that revelation, you can give him the first part of everything. Your day, your time, your energy, your, your finance. Everything you can give the first portion of it to the Lord. If you recognize, Lord, you have given me life, but I don't own it. He can take our life. Any one of us. He can take it from us in a moment. It's just life is on loan to us. We're not, we're not entitled to anything. We don't own any of it. Every breath that we breathe, just, just breathe a few times. If you, if you don't have good breath, try to keep it to yourself. But just breathe a few times. If you didn't get a chance to brush your teeth this morning, don't breathe on your neighbor if you're sick or coughing or whatever. Don't, don't breathe on your neighbor and give them COVID. But just try to... Just thank the Lord. You've got a breath. You've got breath in your lungs. Every one of those breaths. You breathe. You breathe. That is a gift. That's the Lord saying, I'm giving you breath. I'm giving you life. If you have a good marriage, if your wife loves you, she's been faithful to you, you ought to say, Lord, I thank you for that. That's a gift. I can't control the actions of another person. For some reason, she still loves me. You can't figure it out. The rest of us can't figure it out. But she still loves you. Oh, it got quiet right there. You didn't realize that was a gift. Brother Richard, you got one ready to come in and take over? It's, it's all a gift from God. We don't own any of it. Oh, my friend, if God blesses you, keep an open hand. Just keep an open hand. He'll keep filling up. He'll keep filling up. But just keep an open hand. Be generous with God. Be generous with the work of God. And the Lord will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Because once you get on the right side of the blessing of God, most of us are living under the curse because we're not fully obeying Scripture. But if you get on the right side of the blessing of God, God will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. You only know what. If He can trust you with a little, He'll give you a little bit more. And if He can trust you with that, He'll give you a little bit more. And then when He can trust you with that, He'll give you a whole lot more. It, God will open up the windows of heaven. It's a biblical principle. If we believe Acts 2.38, we have to believe what the Bible says. Financial. Now here's, here's some more examples. There's a reason why the New Testament church went to church on Sunday, the first day of the week. They were celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Coming to church on Sunday is another way that we show that God is first. You know why? Because Sunday is the first day of the week. Somebody said, I thought we went to church on the Sabbath and we rested. Anybody that's come to a Pentecostal church knows that you don't rest when you come to church. We don't come to church to rest. We come to church to worship. In the New Testament, they, the New Testament church, they realized the rest was the Holy Ghost. And the rest they had 24-7. But when they came to church, they came on Sunday, which is the first day of the week. And said, Lord, we're going to give you the first day of the week. And we're going to bless the Lord. We're going to lift our voices. We're going to sing. Hallelujah. We're going to say amen to the preacher. We're going to come to the altar. We're going to dedicate this week unto the Lord. Why? Because Sunday is the first day of the week. And we're going to give him the first part of this week. It is our tithe. We tithe of our time by giving him a Sunday. When the first part is given, the rest is redeemed. Exodus twenty three nineteen. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. The verse goes even further and says of the first fruits. This means that the last of your first fruits is not acceptable. It's not the tenth portion of your first fruits. It's the first portion of your first fruits. Notice that. The Bible designates not just that it's to be the first part, but it also designates the house of the Lord. It doesn't say to give it to a television ministry. It doesn't say to give it to a missionary. It doesn't say to give it to an evangelist. It doesn't say to give it to someone who's in need or to buy something for somebody else or to give the, the pastor a gift. That's not what it says. It says to bring it into the storehouse, to bring it into the house of God. It doesn't say to give it to the March of Dimes. There could be a lot of good causes. And if you want to bless and give to all these other causes, that's great. God bless you for it. It's not your tithe. The tithe comes into the house of the Lord. It's always the Lord's house first. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. 
Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. This passage shows us that tithing in the Lord's house is the way that we honor God. We honor him with the first fruit of our increase. You remember in the Old Testament when the Lord said, don't take any of the silver or gold from the city of Jericho. Remember when the children of Israel finally, after all they're wandering around the wilderness 40 years and the whole generation had to die off because they didn't believe. Finally a new generation came up and they would said, okay, now it's time. We're going to go over Jordan. Uh, Moses has died. Joshua's now in charge. They go over and they're going to go. Uh, they, 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 here, here once again you'll see this principle. Ten cities. Ten cities that they would conquer. The first was Jericho. And what did he tell them about Jericho? Don't take any of the gold. Don't take any of the silver. Don't take any of the raiments. Leave it all there. Well, Jericho was a wealthy city. And when the walls fell down, it was obviously a sign that God had given them a victory. They all went in there and they took over and, and, and they had this great city of Jericho. Well, there was a lot of temptation. There was a lot of wealth. And it was all theirs to take. But they had been told not to take it. Why? Because it was the first part. It was the first of ten cities. Well, Achan, he couldn't, hardly, he couldn't keep to himself, so he just he found some gold and silver and he took it and he raiment and beautiful, you know, raiment in Jericho, you know, wealthy and had different colors and dyes that used in the, the garments and he just, he was just too beautiful, you know, and so he just had to take it and he hid it in the bottom of his tent. The next city they went to Ai, just a little town. They didn't even send their whole army. They said, we'll just go over here and destroy Ai. We won't even have to bring it. We'll just send a few guys over there, our Navy SEALs. Let those guys take them out. And guess what? They went over there, little city of Ai. They didn't even have trained soldiers. People running out there with pitchforks and defeated the mighty Israeli army. And, and Joshua went back to God and said, what in the world happened? You know what the Lord said? You got problems. You remember I told you not to take somebody did. Are you serious? Yep. Well, who is it? You're fixing to see. The earth opens up and takes, not just what was taken from Achan, but takes Achan and his family. Because it belongs to the Lord. If you don't give it freely, God will take it by force. It, it's, it is a biblical principle. Now, once they got all that straightened out, remember I said, if you give, then the blessing continues on for the other 90%. But if you don't, the rest of it's cursed. This was the same principle with the children of Israel and Jericho. Basically, God is saying, give me the first and then you can have the rest. That took faith. But so does paying tithes. But when you do it right, God will honor it. In any part at all that's not given to the Lord, if it's not the first part, then it's cursed. Achan took some and it messed up the victory for all the children of Israel. The first fruit is either cursed or it's consecrated. You can't cut corners on this and play games with what belongs to God. It'll come back and bite you every time. In, in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, this is the New Testament, were smote dead in church because they kept back apart. They, they still gave, but they kept back apart. And this portion is either cursed or it's consecrated. Acts 5, 1 and 2. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. They kind of co-conspirators here. And laid it at the apostles' feet. Did a big deal about giving, blah, 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 but it wasn't even what the, the full portion was supposed to be. And sometimes people want to say, well, tithing pastor is the Old Testament. But in the same chapter of Malachi where God says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings, he says, I am God and I change not. It says in the Old Testament that adultery is wrong. Does that mean it's not wrong under the New Testament? It says in the Old Testament that stealing is wrong. Does that mean that it's not wrong in the New Testament? Everything that the Lord taught was to fulfill the Old Testament law and then to go a step beyond. Matthew 5, 38 through 44. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, resist not him that is evil, but whosoever smiteth thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Everything that Jesus did was to go beyond the law. And if any man would go to law with thee and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You have heard that it was said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and shalt... Hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you. Tithing was just the base. Once you understand that he owns it all, tithing is not about what percentage you give God. It's about what percentage God gives you. I remember when I was in Bible school, our, uh, our professor taught this wonderful lesson. God pays 90%. That's pretty good. God pays 90%. In the book of Acts, they sold everything. 
that they had and came and gave it to the church. Leaders distributed, was made to everybody according as they had need. People say, well, I don't know. In the New Testament, it talk about tithes. No, it doesn't talk about tithes. It talks about they sold everything. Once you understand that, you're like, you know what? I think 10% is good. We don't need to get carried away. <laughs> I mean, that's what the New Testament was. And so over all of these biblical principles, all of these examples, people that tithe, you'll always hear them say, I'm blessed. How are you doing? I'm blessed. People that don't tithe will always give this testimony. I can't afford to tithe. You know why you can't afford? Because you're not tithing. If you're not tithing, you can't afford to tithe. Does that make sense? That's why you have to start doing it by faith. And the Lord said, prove me. So at the end of this deal, I'm going to, we're going to, and we're going to work. We're going to have seminars on financial peace. We're going to try to get disciplines in our life. But it all has to start with tithing. It all has to start with that first 10%. Let me give you an example. Some of you still have question marks, so. I have in my jacket 10 $100 bills. I've learned to have finally how to get people to come to the altar. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, 10 $100 bills. First fruit, second fruit, first 10%, second 10%, third percent, fourth, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, All right? So there we have it. U.S. currency, Benjamin Franklin, not monopoly money. So let's say I made $1,000 this week. That'd be a good week. Let's say we made $1,000 this week. Haley, come up here and help me. So if I made $1,000 this week, what should I give the Lord? Which hundred? The first one. Which one's the first one? The thousand. The first one. What about this one? I'm going to pay my bills, savings. I want to get new rims on my tires and cars. Can you tell I have teenage boys? So which one of these should I, should I give? The first one, which is that one. So you be the you be the Lord, okay? Okay. I'd like to give that to you. It pays to sit on the front row. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> I think we'll have more people on the front row next service. <laughs> so it's really it's really an easy principle. Now that I have given that ten percent to the Lord slash Haley. <laughs> Guess what's going to happen to all of this? It's all going to be blessed. It's all going to multiply. And we're going to say, I don't know where that came from. I don't either. I don't know, but God's blessing it. It's unbelievable. God's doing it. He's blessing. He's blessing. He's blessing. And everything is blessed because it all flows down from me giving him the first portion. Does that make sense? So, if I don't give him the first part, guess what happens to all of this? It's all cursed. Guess what happens with money that's cursed? It disappears. I got to get my truck fixed. I've got to get my roof fixed. It's leaking. Do you understand what I'm saying? I got to do this, I got to do that, this problem, that problem, that problem, and all of it. <laughs> How'd that one get down there? <laughs> all right, I got to close. But the principle is first portion, 10%, bring it into the storehouse. First portion, 10%. We're talking about how to get free now from financial money. This is where it starts. It don't matter how many seminars we do. It don't matter what all we do. If we don't get this right, we don't ever get free. We stay in slavery. We stay in Egypt. This is what gets us moving forward. If we get this 
if we get it settled, where it goes, how much it is, what portion of our gain do we give to him, then the rest of it is all blessed. Would you stand to your feet? Have you ever wondered why the Bible says God had respect for Abel's sacrifice but not Cain's? People that study the Bible wonder this. It comes from Genesis chapter 4. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock. Why was Abel's offering accepted and Cain's not? Because Abel brought of the firstlings of the flock. And the Bible says the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain became very wroth. His countenance fell. It says that Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. It doesn't say that about Cain. Cain gave of the fruit, but it it doesn't even say it was the first fruit. In fact, it says it was in the process of time or in the end of days that Cain brought. It wasn't the tithe. Cain grew his crops. When he got around to it, he brought an offering to God. An offering to acknowledge that there was a God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, a chapter that's called the chapter of faith, the hall of faith, it shows how the Old Testament patriarchs lived by faith. And it started out by referencing the offering of Cain and Abel. Hebrews eleven four by faith. Everybody say by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh why was Abel's sacrifice accepted? it was mixed with faith it was the first fruits Cain gave an offering but it wasn't the first fruits Abel paid tithes Cain didn't It was thanksgiving without faith. It was an offering without obedience. And the verse says, Abel also, or in addition to, brought his first fruits. You see, Abel gave an offering like Cain, but then there was that more excellent portion. There was that faith, that extra ingredient. There's so many blessings that come along with tithing, but it's the principle of putting God first in our lives, in every area of our life. And the principle of faith that initiates the blessing. It's the triggering mechanism of God's blessings upon our lives. The first portion is the portion that redeems the rest. The first portion creates the blessing. God did not wait until Abraham had ten sons to tell him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. When Abraham only had one son, the first, Isaac. He told him to offer him as a sacrifice. Yes, we understand that Ishmael was already born. But Isaac was the sacrifice of the promises of God from his wife Sarah. And later on, Abraham had uh, at least six more sons. But when he asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, he didn't have all that. In fact, he said, take thy son, thine only son. That took faith. Tithing is about faith. And when you take faith out of it, you take blessing out of it. You and I can decide how are we going to respond. Are we going to be blessed or are we going to get bitter like Cain? Are we going to be blessed or are we going to be bitter? I want to be blessed. I want to be like Abel. In 1998, the Christian church around the world, everyone that claims to be a Christian, earned an estimated $15.2 trillion. The total amount given to all ministry-related causes, including missions, etc., was $270 billion. If you do the math, that's 1.8%. That's all around the world. That's Christians out of third world countries and poor countries all around the world. They gave 1.8% of their income. But in the same year, the body of Christ in the United States, an affluent nation, earned an estimated $5.2 trillion dollars. In 1998, the total amount given in the U.S. to church-related causes was 92 billion, or 1.7 percent of our income. That means the people of the United States, as blessed as we are, 
gave less of our income to our churches than third world countries gave. 1998, here we are 25 years later. And we are paying a price for this. We're not being honest with God and it's affecting everything. It's affecting our children. It's affecting our marriages. It's affecting our joy. We are living in financial bondage because we've not been obedient to the Word of God. East Wind, I say today, I want you to be free. I want you to be set free. I don't want you to live a bitter life like Cain. I want you to be blessed beyond your wildest imaginations. Cain becomes the first murderer of the human race because he's bitter about his offering. He's isolated. He's cursed. What about us? What are we going to do? Are we going to elevate our giving or are we going to just grumble? Are we going to bless, be blessed or be bitter? The choice is yours. As for me and my house, I want to be blessed. Would you raise your hands now all over this building? Would you lift your voices unto the Lord? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It illuminates our hearts and minds, gives us direction and guidance. You desire to set your people free. You desire to set your people free in the name of Jesus. It's not your will that we live under the stress of bills from week to week. It's not your will that we live under the stress of financial bondage. You're calling us, Lord, to a place of obedience. We give our heart to you, Lord. Help us, God, to believe. Help us to have faith. Consecrate ourselves unto you. We give you the first part of our day. We give you the first part of this week. We've come into this house to worship you, Lord. And we say today, God, we desire your blessing upon everything that we do. But we know that it cannot happen without the sacrifice of giving you the first part, the first fruits. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I know we're three minutes over. But I'd like for us to dismiss this morning by simply just making a commitment to God. If you'll just make this commitment to God and say, Lord, I'm going to start from right here today, right now. And I'm going to go forward and I'm going to give you the first fruits of my income, the first fruits of my life, the first fruits of my day. And I commit that unto the Lord. If you would do that, drive where you're standing. You don't have to come to the altar. I got money down here on the ground. I, I know this would be the time to give an altar call. <laughs> I think if we gave an altar call right now, more people would come than has ever come in the history. <laughs> you can have it. If it would help you, you can have it. But more than that, because this right here is beans compared to what God's wanting to do. It doesn't even compare. But if you would just say, Lord... Your word says to put you to the test. And I'm going to put you to the test. I want, I'm, going to take the, I'm going to take the tithing challenge. And over the next 90 days, I'm going to pay my tithes, 10%. I'm going to bring it to the house of the Lord, the first part. Put God to the test and see if God won't bless you. He won't open up the windows of heaven. It's the word of God. If it's not true, then salvation's not true. You're trusting Him with your life. Why not trust Him with your finances? Would you make that commitment right now? If you would, would you lift your hands and your voice all over the building? Lord, I commit right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I commit it unto the Lord. God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by faith. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to give you the first part. I'm going to give you the first part in the name of Jesus. I'm going to obey your word, Lord. 
And I'm going to say, God, it belongs to you. I'm going to return it. It's not even me giving it, Lord. I'm just going to return it unto you. And by faith, I'm going to believe, God, if I obey your word, you're going to bless me beyond my wildest imagination. I'm going to honor you, Lord, with the first part of my day. I'm going to get up every day, Lord, and I'm going to begin by praying. I'm going to give you the first part of my day. I'm going to give you the first part of my week, Lord. Oh, God, let everything be blessed by you. Let it all flow down, God, from the obedience of your word. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. God's going to bless it. I said God's going to bless it. We're going to be set free in 2023. Amen. God bless you. High five your neighbor right now and just say, get ready to be blessed. Get ready to be blessed.